Talk Show. Recorded live. Scuba Obsessed is the weekly podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba in the news. Scuba Obsessed episode 98 is recorded live January 12th, 2012. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. We have a few articles this week. Uh, we have uh, Aqualung suing another manufacturer. We have a three and a half ton statue disappearing. A little bit of Avatar news. Uh, cruise ship runs aground and we have some dredging. And as always, I'd like to welcome uh, one of my co-hosts, Mac. How are you doing today, Mac? Doing pretty good. Glad to be here. And we also have uh, another co-host this week. We have Jim Schultz joining us. How are you doing today, Jim? I'm great. Thank you. So, uh, those of you who are maybe listening to this in much warmer temperatures or much warmer time of the year, we're, we're getting snow. Uh, I, I guess I shouldn't be complaining too much because this is only about eight, ten weeks late by my calendar. It could stay away a little longer if it wanted. Yeah, I think so. But at some point, I just think you got to get it out of the way. You have to have at least a little snow. So, here we are, almost middle of January. Uh, but I look at that, and, I, and in my mind, I always think like that second week of March where two years ago we did uh, Dive on Havana. I keep looking at that as my diver spring day. So every day closer without snow is one day closer to Lake Michigan diving. So it's almost like we're we're missing the winter, which I wouldn't mind. Well, Other... I, I, we're probably going to have two months of, of nasties. Uh, if this keeps up on the coldness and the uh, lows at night, we're going to have some ice out there. So we might get a nice dive in. Yeah, we might be able to get a nice dive in. I'm hoping. Usually, uh, last year, by this time, I think we had our first ice dive of the year. I think we did. Uh, yeah, we already had two. We'd already had two ice dives. Yeah, we, we had. Uh, but that I think the first one where we had actually had to use a chainsaw, <laughs> which was. Uh, uh, well, yeah, we had two of those. We had two Singer Lakes in a row. Really? Really? So. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, yeah, so we're behind. But like you said, it won't take long, which we'll get to when we start talking about last week's dives. I don't think it'll take long at all for ice to start building. Well, you figure we had ice last week, only it wasn't over our head. No, it wasn't. Okay, first up on the docket is we have a follow-up to uh, an event that's been going on for quite a while now. Uh, Tara had been talking about uh, issues with, let's see, what's the, the cargo ship, the Rena, and uh, it is finally broken up, meaning that it's uh, starting to fall apart and disintegrate. The cargo ship ran aground off the coast of New Zealand. Uh, it's been three months ago now. It seems like uh, it hasn't even been that long. And uh, it's broken in two. It's spilling its containers, and it's threatening a new oil spill. A heavy sea snapped off the stern section of the Greek-owned Rena. Uh, large amounts of fuel are becoming strand, uh, started becoming stranded in October. Uh, up to 300 containers have been washed overboard, and most are expected to sink. I wonder how deep that ship, what's the depth of the water that, that boat is in? I mean, if it's breaking apart, I mean, it has to be 30, 40 feet right there, wouldn't you say? Right. And I was thinking, you know, that's a lot of containers. There's going to be some salvage out there. <laughs> well, I guess that's one way of grub diving for a container. Well, not only that, but if you got 20-foot seas, and that's what it looks like, waves up to 20-foot, 6 meters, uh, it should knock that oil down quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that is a positive thing about the seas. It breaks up that oil pretty quick because 
as we saw in some cases when we had that in the Gulf this year. Well, it's not this now, year. They said, they, they said they've already removed like two-thirds of the uh, fuel. Yep. That's also a plus. Yeah, they've been working on that fuel. Uh, the paid in the butt thing about that was they had to heat it up to get the flow out so they could uh, draw it off. Right. They said they had over 1,100 tons of oil, and uh, they got 385 left. So, I mean, it could have been a lot worse than it is. Yeah, it could, it could be. And then I don't see it in this article, but somebody had uh, meant, had uh, forwarded one where they said that uh, the cruise line, not the cruise line, the shipping line, and the captain were only going to be fined $10,000. And that did not seem nearly enough for an event this bad. Yeah, I don't remember um, why that happened that way. I don't remember if the, the captain wasn't on board at the time or not up in the... Up in the uh... No, actually, uh, he, well, he, he, he was up on board... But I think his, uh, you know, first mate or whoever was was running the ship, and uh, he was turning into port. And anybody who knows the area says you don't turn into port there. So uh, they were way off course. So I don't know if they ever did give an official version of what caused the problem. Okay. Yeah, I just see that now. Yeah, that's been since October the fifth. Yeah. And then they said what? Sixteen charges are still pending. So hope yeah, they'll never get the all the money out of them that they need. Oh, now this is a great one. Well, we'll skip this next article. Uh, for some reason, it wants me to buy a subscription to the Dallas Times. I don't. I don't think so. Script a subscription to what? The uh, Tallahassee Times. So, must be one of those things. Once you visit the website, they throw that on. So we'll skip that one. Go into a press release. This one is the. Uh, uh, it's from an information service called IBIS World, the scuba diving uh, instruction industry. Uh, what they're talking about is this is uh, one of those surveys where they do a survey and then they pay. Uh, you have to pay if you want the full thing. But they, they leak out a little bit of information to tease you. And some of the information contained in it is uh, that certified divers have declined at an annual pace of 1.5% over five years uh, to the year 2012. Spending per person also sank. Industry revenues estimate the fall annualized rate of 2.1%. To 459 million for the entire scuba dive industry, uh, mostly result of the dive revenues 28.3 percent in 2009. Scuba diving is a relatively costly recreational endeavor, and it's made to be particularly susceptible to downturn in consumer spending. However, luxury expenditures has rebounded faster than per capita disposable income. So they're forecasting in the next five years the rebound in consumer spending and drop in employment will bring business instructors uh, bring business back to the instructors that were barely treading water. The industry revenue forecast rebounded at 2.3% annualized rate. So uh, a little bit of good news in there. Uh, as always, we'll have links in the show note if you want to follow along or uh, get a little bit more information on how you would get that report. And then uh, this next one is another press release. This one was set off by Patty and another company they're working with, it seems that Patty has been collecting some information and they haven't been able to figure out how to use it, which you would think if you that uh, they would be able to find a way of getting their the Patty Dive Shops this uh, data. Patty has a database of divers that at one time applied for temporary certification, but they were unsure how to penetrate into the list. Uh, so they're working with a company called Traffic. The solution is to build a hybrid traditional digital campaign that would create unique personal experience for each prospect. So basically what this means is that they've now figured out that there's value in some old data. So I'm sure they're going to find a way of uh, monetizing that. Hopefully Patty on their own would go out and get people to do that. But I have a feeling that they might sell that to dive shops. Those would be some good leads, or at least it would 
appear to be. You'd want that kind of information, especially if you were writing a business plan to open up a dive shop or something like that. I'd find it extremely interesting to see their their figures, see their percentages, uh, information, you know, is the key to that planning. And that is gold information there if you can get it. But it just it always puzzles me when you, you find out about it that they haven't been able to use it. So this company is putting together campaigns that will combine uh, both the print and a digital media, which as a disclaimer, that's kind of the stuff I do at work every day. So how I'd love to have that information. Uh, the next one up is Mystery of a Disappearing 3.5-Ton Statue off the Italian coast. So 3.5 tons is not exactly s- small. We could move it. <laughs> How, uh, that would take a few lift bags, I would think. This one is a uh, here. Give the chat room a shot at this. Italian police are trying to solve the mysterious disappearance of three and a half ton statue, which stood on the seabed off Calabra since 2007. Uh, the, the authorities are trying to figure out how it could have been moved. It's a bronze statue of Saint Francis of Palo Pala, which stands at seven. 0.2 feet high and was securely embedded in concrete 90 feet 95 feet below the surface the hooded figure one arm raised in supplication is one of several sanity statues which dot the italian coastline and are meant to protect fishermen and scuba divers both the police and the coast guard are investigating a few theories including possibly statues mistakenly snagged in the net of a large fishing boat uh, if the if the boat was illegally fishing, that would explain why they haven't uh, admitted to the accidental snagging. Uh, they're also investigating reports from nearby town that a large statue-like object was in the back of a van days after the disappearance on December 30th or 31st, suggesting it may have been stolen to order. I was uh, thinking more in line. I wonder how much concrete they used out of that three and a half tons, and then what bronze is selling for by the pound nowadays. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you, know, you can get a little bit of money for the bronze. If they're stealing copper out of houses, yeah. you know, there you got a 3,000-pound whatever. Come on. Yeah. It sounds mercenary, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> but that that's kind of thinking you have to do. So, you know, in, in one aspect, when I heard about that, I'm like, oh, that's so sad. But then just the challenge of uh, moving the statue sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm just trying to figure, though, how many guys around here has got a three-and-a-half-ton pickup? I'll bet if we needed one, we could find one. <laughs> yeah, I've... I, okay, I've flatbed, I, maybe. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. With a, winter, with a winch or two attached to it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. If you did put that in a pickup, you're going to be grinding the tires on the, the bottom of the bed. But, uh, yeah, I have I've can think of, without trying too hard, about 10 vehicles I know of that we could use to haul that, so... Hey, there's a uh, slightly used and only minor damaged statue for sale on the chat room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe we have a dive site that could use a statue. <laughs> hey, a lot of quarries out there would be glad to have it. Certainly. Yeah, you could put that right there by the crusher pit. <laughs> okay, next one up is Avatar 2 underwater filming has one of the actors a little bit nervous. Uh, it's been uh, no secret that the director is a big underwater and dive fan, and he's been trying to get uh, Sam Worthington, uh, one of the actors, to take up scuba diving so that he can go diving with him, and then they can prepare for the movie. Uh, James Cameron, uh, who did the original Avatar, Avatar, is committed to making this Avatar 2 and Avatar 3, which Avatar 2 is taking place underwater. I haven't heard if Avatar 3 is or not. 
Uh, it's going to be done in 3D again. And all the actors are going to be doing live capture underwater. So, I mean, I'm going to say, I hear the hardest part of them trying to do that is trying to get some waterproof blue paint. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that blue paint. It'd be, it, it looked like you were in a tidy bowl the whole time, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, uh, but anyway, they're saying that the movie is now going to be delayed till 2016 because he's going to film both movies at the same time. Uh, and then he's just being a perfectionist. So the movie studios are a little upset, but uh, hopefully it'll turn into a good movie. Uh, you know, the sequels are always dangerous. So what did you you saw the original Avatar? Didn't you, Mac or Jim? Yep, I, I have, but not in 3D. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I don't it think I saw it. Oh, it's, it was, I thought it was a good movie. I don't, I don't think it was like all-time best movie ever and ever, but I thought it was good. And I, I, I enjoyed it. A lot of action, different characters. I'm, I'm not sure I could read into um, the controversy that a lot of people had about it, but that's yeah. another story. Yeah, people are trying to make it into a political event, but I don't think it was really all that uh, political. I mean, yeah, you could go into that, but I mean, all the modern, you know, Reverse uh, revisions of cowboy and Indian movies. You could make the same thing. You know, so yeah. they called it Dances with Wolves. So, you know, it is what it is. I mean, it, it was a uh, moved around, had a lot of action, like you said, uh, and then just the animation, the amount of detail that went into the the making of that whole world. So, I'm kind of excited that they're doing it underwater. Maybe there'll be some jobs for some uh, scuba divers along the way. That was my interest. And then this weekend, if you happen to be in the Chicago area, they have the Chicago Boat Show is going on. Uh, and one thing I've, uh, they're going to be doing at the boat show is if you haven't gotten a chance to do a Discover scuba diving, they're going to have that available free for people 10 and over. So uh, <clears throat> I'm not free, you can call it if you have to pay to get into the boat show, but uh, it's still available there at no additional charge. So excellent way of getting people uh, to try out diving, uh, except for it seems like you'd have to bring something that you can get wet in. I'd imagine they'd have changing, changing facilities, you know, there. Yeah, but even with changing facilities. I do know. I mean, yeah, maybe no, that's the. I know. That's your <laughs> Go ahead, Jim. Go ahead. I, I imagine maybe that's part of the angle is that they're trying to uh, have a way of selling swimsuits. Yeah, I was going to say, Jim and I were there last year, and uh, Jim, they had some pretty good deals on uh, wetsuits and dry suits of the type that you would use when you're uh, using the boards or skis. Yeah, they did. And the prices were very decent. Yeah, some, some of those. Uh, I, I hate to even call them wetsuits, but they're wetsuits for uh, um, people who aren't scuba diving. Uh, Is that this weekend? That's this weekend in Chicago. Hey, we'll have to go over. Mac, I'm going to go over on Sunday. I hope to be diving. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to go over to Chicago anyway, but. If you have to go over, that's a good excuse to, to get in there. Go and see the boats that I'll never be able to afford to buy. Yep. They had some interesting stuff there. They had a collection of old boat motors, which was really neat to look at, especially if you're out there and you see something, uh, you know, diving, you find a boat motor and you wonder if it's worth keeping. Uh, looking at some of those they recovered and uh, actually refurbished. Uh, you've got some money there for some of those old motors. Well, that's interesting. I didn't. I wouldn't think there would be a lot of money in, in old boat motors. There's quite a few people who do collect them. Well, when we went out there, they actually had a collection of older wooden boats that people had redone. Those things were outstanding. Oh, like some of the old Chris Craft type? Yes. Yeah, th those are beautiful. Uh, as long as it's somebody else maintaining them, I think they're beautiful. I think there's a valid reason why we don't make too many wooden boats anymore. I don't think you'd want a bunch of uh, scuba tanks beating around your mahogany. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, we have uh, 
And I, and I don't know if it's a case of the music or not, but an electronica cruise run, ran aground in the Bahamas. Uh, it was a, a cruise ship hosting a three-day electronica music festival. And uh, dur- at the, <laughs> during the cruise, the, on Saturday, they ran aground. The cruise liner happened at 6.50 a.m. The 2,550-passenger ship was navigating Port Lucaya Harbor near Freeport in the Grand Bahamas, and it was at low tide. It was pulled off the reef by tugboats later that evening. Uh, the incident occurred on the second day of the Holy Ship Voyage, which featured 20 DJs blasting electronica uh, uh, during all sorts of hours. Uh, it ran aground in 14 feet of water. Now, that seems a little shallow for a cruise ship, doesn't it? It yeah. sounds out. That could be why it ran aground. Yeah, they said that was a second mishap for that one. The second one. Yeah, they said uh, said the grounding was a second mishap, and I can't pronounce it yet, but it collided with a close to classic in the 2008 in the Adriatic. And they said neither ship was damaged in that incident. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, maybe that's something they need to look at. But yeah, 12 feet of water. I'm, I'm sure the draft of that has to be at least. I would imagine at least twice that, if not more. 12 feet. That seems crazy. I was uh, well, to pick. After what? Yeah. I was trying to look see if I get a picture, take a look at the, the draft of it. So I can't find that. Yeah, these theme cruises, you start hearing more and more about them. So this one was DJs. It had DJs uh, Flatboy, Fatboy Slim and the Motley Crew drummer Tommy Lee. Uh, also had dance parties, included DJ-led poker tournament and yoga classes. So, uh, you know, we need to do, we need to have a uh, scuba diving cruise. Nothing but scuba divers. That'd be a rowdy bunch. It would be. You know, Mac would have him throwing a rope off the back so they could drag him along and he could look for stuff. Well, I like that part. <laughs> okay, let's see what else do we have next. Uh, oh, so from uh, running aground to not running aground here in St. Joe, Michigan, uh, we now have the channel dredged. Now, one of the positive things about having uh, this mild weather is the barges and dredges were able to get out there and get the channel opened. So the, the three... Spots where they dock are now available, and they're going to have ships coming in, bringing in the loads that they weren't able to do. Uh, the Army Corps of Engineers budget was finalized in mid-December, and the district office in Detroit provided $100,000 for the work. Uh, the MCM of Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, which had done a lot of other maintenance work in the harbor, was given a $99,000 contract to remove about 6,000 cubic yards of material. Now, see, Mac, I wonder if we can get the remaining 1,000. The good day just Probably not. No. Uh, they said the salt supply was down to uh, seven to 8,000 tons compared with 44,000 tons that they normally have this time of year. Uh, anything we could get now uh, is going to uh, help out quite a bit, according to uh, the road commission in the area. I think they were dredging the outer channel and out beyond the breakwater. That's where the, the buildup had, had started. So it, was, it wasn't in the channel near, it was near the, the breakwater, the outer channel? Yeah, it was out past the lights. Huh. Uh, where basically where the trash line, where the river dumps out past the lights is where they, uh, the shoal had formed and they couldn't even get in the river. Wow, that's odd. The worst thing about paying to dredge that is we could have some storms out here and that can all go away. Yeah. Right on its own. <laughs> or come back with a vengeance. <laughs> or come back, yeah. <laughs> we could completely close the channel off, which has happened on many Michigan rivers. Yeah. Well, New Buffalo still has a major problem with that. They don't yeah. have commercial, per se, big boats, but they've got a lot of uh, pleasure boats, a lot of sailboats, and they've had a terrible problem the last couple of years. Hmm. Yeah, Michigan City shows up also. Yep. 
Where does it show up in Michigan City? I believe that's right about the end of the channel. So you, you got that uh, kind of that perpendicular uh, break wall there. So kind kind of right in that spot. Yeah, between the break walls. Okay. So, and then uh, they're getting ready to end visits down to the Titanic. I don't. How can they stop diving on the Titanic? Well, I don't think we're getting the full story here. Uh, my guess is they're they're stopping diving on it because they probably aren't making enough money. I don't think it's out of any agree to that. benevolence or they're making, I guess not saying they're not making enough money. I think they're making more money someplace else. There's really only three submersibles in the world that are able to go down here. And this one in particular has been charging, I believe it's $50,000 a trip or well, $59,000 cost or 38,000 pounds in the past decade, 200 Titanic dives, have been made and 150 individuals down to see it. So what I'm guessing is they're usually out probably for some other purpose, which gets them to the location. Maybe they're doing some sort of research or grant. And then while they're out there, they, people probably, you know, uh, chopper out or navigate out to wherever the, uh, the boat is with the submersible and they get people in. So, uh, Expeditions begin with passengers boarding a larger ship in Newfoundland, which carries them and the submersible out to the spot where the Titanic sank. Passengers are given a day to familiar themselves with the craft. A briefing is about the forthcoming trip. They attend lectures on Titanic history, oceanography, and deep sea operations. Uh, then the next day, the dive begins in the morning. It takes two and a half hours to reach the ocean bed. At a depth of about 800 feet, the submersible descends into darkness. So now they're just talking about uh, what we already know as divers of how how dark it can get down there. So uh, I thought it was an interesting article. I always love seeing, seeing the shots. Wouldn't it be great? I like to, to see I'm sorry. Like that. It's got the uh, shining through the darkness at 800 feet at a depth of 800. that talks about the, uh, the first play, how dark it got. Then the, it has the submersible actually showing the chain coming out. Mm-hmm. That's a very clear shot. That is. Yeah. There's sometimes you see it and they've got quite a bit of flock and, and particulate floating in the water, but that one doesn't look like it. Now it is a little backlit, but yeah. still, still an amazing shot. Well, it seemed like wasn't it uh, wasn't it about six months ago, or we had them doing the where they said that the Titanic was disappearing; it wouldn't be around in ten years. Yes, yep, that's what I heard. That's what I'm saying. Looking at the bow shot, you can take a look and see how that's disintegrating the railing and stuff by itself. Mm-hmm. Almost looks like straight iron oxide. Yep. Yeah, it's it's gonna react with uh, you know salt water and do that, but. Yeah, it may break down, but 100 years from now, there's still going to be something to see of that vessel. So, Well, the fellows will still be there. And then we go from uh, a submarine to see the Titanic to a hamster power submarine. Well, it's a very interesting um, submarine, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can just scale this up a little bit. Uh, so, I was trying to figure out what kind of delicate we get to scale that up. Yeah. So a little, I mean, what does it look like? It looks like a little two-liter bottle. This team assembled a, well, so it's actually a three-liter soda bottle and craft that cost them $57, including the $12 hamster. Fortunately, a hamster is no worse for wear. I guess you have to say that anytime you talk about an animal anymore. The team is arguing about the, vir- the virtuals of, of uh, rodent punk over steampunk. <laughs> Did you see the quote? I love this. The major difference between hamster power, steam power and hamster power is you don't have to shovel hamsters into a furnace. Now, can you if you want to? You probably could, but I'm not sure how efficient the burn rate would be and what kind of BTUs you're going to get out of that. Another key difference is a similar carbon footprint made by hamster energy is 
that than coal and other fossil fuel. As a footnote, no hamsters were harmed in the recording of this podcast. Yes, that is good. Did you go all the way down to the bottom of the article where they've got that one in a cage? That guy goes so fast, he's a freaking blur. No. <laughs> if you've got the article, go down and take a look near the comment section. Uh-huh. Wow. That guy's centrifugal force just threw him out of it. That guy was moving. <laughs> got little, little tiny legs. If you ever get a hamster wheel to hit 88 miles an hour, you're really going to see some serious, serious blank, blank, blank. Yeah. <laughs> That's a cool shot there. So I we can call that a little bit of some potential cool scuba gear if you're a hamster. Uh, here's something I've been wondering about for a while why we haven't been able, we haven't seen it yet, which is uh, tablets underwater. Uh, CES is going on right now in Las Vegas, the computer, the consumer electronic show. Uh, every year we usually get a few items that are of interest to scuba divers and people who love the underwater. Well, I don't even think your Wi-Fi is going to work too good down there. No, I don't, I don't think it will. But uh, this waterproof tablet uh, is going to be available uh, from AT&T. It's a tablet running Android 3.2. The tablet is due out January 22nd, priced at $299, and it is considered to be waterproof. 8-inch screen. Um, it is now. The, here's the downside: it's only what only work will only stay working up to 30 feet. But still, that's not bad. Yeah, but they said here once submerged, the capacitive screen is inoperable. Well, you just got to get your uh, movie playing in advance. Now, maybe that would be nice. You could have that hanging off a deco line. Yeah, I'll figure some games are at 15 or 20 feet. Yeah, well, the games, like you said, aren't going to work because you can't touch anything. <laughs> that's the part that they need to figure out. So you got that. And then the video of the week, and we won't play it, but uh, you can get a link on the website. This one was uh, Jill Heinerth uh, talking at the TED event. So uh, if you're interested, uh, she talks a little bit about cave diving, and you can tell that her audience that she's she's talking to are you know business owners and technical people. So they many she is assuming they don't understand what uh, cave diving is like. So she goes into some details on on what it's like to be lost or disoriented uh, in cave diving. So we kind of ran right on through the news. Yeah, considering the number you had there, I didn't think that was gonna thought we were gonna be here a while. Well, we could have been. Well, we we made it go quick. And then uh, this last one, we got another blog post. Um, uh, this one was from uh, IR diver Andy, and uh, it's another one on gear. So he, what it is, it's his article on the top five essential bits of a scuba kit. Uh, so, so let's take a look real quick uh, and see if we agree with them. Uh, first, first one on his list is a whistle. Now, I, I'm right up front. I'm gonna have to say I, I think these are some high items that are important. But I, I, I'm assuming he's meaning that some of the basics you're not gonna need, like a regulator or mask or wetsuit. You know, these are maybe these are top five essential accessories. Whereas, like, like scuba, uh, save a scuba kit. Yeah. Yeah, so so one of them is uh, he's got a whistle, which is very handy, which reminds me I need to get mine uh, get get another one. I, I seem to lose the whistles. I think most people keep those that are on their inflator hose, though. That's where I have mine. Well, that's where mine was, but uh, something happened to it and it came off. You found it once, I got it back, and then I've I've lost it again since then. So almost like kind of like a camera. Uh, and then the yeah. uh, surface marker buoy sausage or safety sausage is. We like to call them. I agree on that one. I think that's uh, an essential. A spool. And I think you really do need to get the quality ones like we're looking at here. Yeah. Yeah. You, you need the longer ones. A lot of them you can get 
And I don't think you see them that for sale that much anymore. I think they've uh, lengthened the size of them. But yeah, I like mine. A lot of them have the open bottoms, and mine doesn't have the open bottom, which saves a little bit of hassle of you know having to refill it over and over. Yeah. Uh, and then a spool. Yeah, finger reel. little finger spool is on his list, which I agree with. Uh, knife, yep, definitely have to have that. If not multiple more than knives. One. Yep, 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 multiple knives. And then uh, dive light. Of course, yeah. I, like, I like the one he's got in the picture here. I'd love to have that one. Yeah, but I don't think we've got enough batteries to keep that working very long. <laughs> that one would be I handy. I have a barge. Yeah, so what, what are some other items that they didn't have under there that we would say are, are critical? I mean, he's, he's had a lot of them that you have in your, if you're taking advanced open water, you're going to have to have most of those to complete that did, class. Did you, did you go to the bottom of the column? You'll see one he didn't mention. Go where it says conclusion. Take a look at the picture. The caption is, never dive without a gun. <laughs> did you see it? Yeah, I did. Yeah, that, that, one, that could be handy, like, having a gun. Uh, so, uh, but, you know, like a slate. I mean, that's another one that's useful. Maybe not as critical as the others. You could never have enough double-end snap hooks. Yeah, true. Uh, always got to have some good lift bags. Lift bags are always good. And then uh, a catch bags. If you're, if you're grubbing, you have to have something to put your finds oh, yeah. in. Yeah. So... But as always, a good article from uh, Andy. One of the funny items is that I, I wasn't sure how it was going to work. Turned out really good. Jim, those tape measures we used? I tell you, I've got a 100-foot tape measure on a reel, and that thing is fantastic. You know exactly how far out you've gone, and I don't know that I would use it for cave diving, but uh, I probably would do some minimal rec penetration with it. Yeah. But it, it's handy for what we've been using it for. And uh, now, now that and that's not designed for scuba diving. So, are the components of it any, causing any problems? No, uh, I just shopped around and got you know when I looked for it, made sure it had a fairly hefty uh, reel that it was in, and the tapes are are pretty good. Definitely don't go with a steel tape. Go with a nylon or a cloth type tape. The steel seemed to rust pretty quick. Yeah, I, I would and think. I'm sure so. in salt water would be even worse, but uh, it's worked well for us and. You know, as a tagline uh, for doing sweeps and things like that. Well, so, I've yeah. got mine. I liked it because the reel is round and is, is large enough that when you want to take it up, you're not there forever trying to take up. Yeah. Well, I mean, that can be some of the frustration with a little finger reel is just how long it takes you to get the, everything all reeled back in if you've gone out quite a ways. Well, my finger, a finger reel is... I use that for my bag, though, going up for that yeah, same they... reason. The advantage of the finger reel is that uh, it, it's just something small that you can shove in a pocket or, or wherever, and it's better than nothing. Correct, yeah, because you can always take a finger reel even when you don't think you're going to need a reel. Because sometimes it can be a hassle. Uh, one thing I've learned is the it's only take what I, I'm expecting to need. I mean, you have some redundancy uh, just for safety reasons, but there's no sense in carrying a whole bunch of stuff that isn't going to be useful in your dive for example i don't carry a slate with me every time that's just too much to have to monkey around with well if you get well, a I got small the one go no. with, the surf, with the surface marker buoy as yeah. a you know as a, pa- a parcel yeah i've got a small slate that covers the back of my console mm-hmm. so you've always got something there to scratch a note on well that does it for the news and the blogs and the video so uh now we're on to dives so uh in Michigan, we had the, the weather really wasn't as bad this last weekend. If you didn't know better, what month would you say that was? Late fall. Oh, November. Yeah, yeah, we had, uh, we did a pawpaw lake dive. Uh, 
high noon, and it was actually pretty sunny out. The sun, the sun was out. So, uh, and we we did uh, we did Pawpaw Lake. We started from the Faulkner residence, and uh, first time we had dove that particular spot. Had nice uh, hot tub room that we were able to change in. Did our normal uh, preparation with uh, hot water and the the wetsuit. Now, one thing that surprised me about that dive, Mac, was just how far it took us to get to any depth. Yeah, it seemed like about halfway across the freaking lake to get there. Yeah, yeah, because you got in just a little bit before I did, and then I followed you. And I think I only got into depths that my dive computer would record as a dive a couple times. Uh, I spent right mo- back where we. I'm gonna say where we came together. That was back up to that six and eight foot level. I had been on the slope, went out, and then I went down to 26 feet max. Is what I got to. But out there, the viz was not too bad. It was a little more than five feet. Because back in the weeds, you know, all that particulate that was in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, the water looked clear, but you had a lot of stuff in it, particulate in it. Yeah, there was a lot of particulate. Um, you know, I, I did both. I went Sometimes I went through the weeds. Sometimes I went over the weeds. Uh, it was just kind of different. I mean, we've dove a lot in Pawpaw Lake, but that was a different bottom. It was fairly densely weed covered. You'd come across a patch of sand. But, uh, you know, I'm used to finding some sort of trash or debris or shells or something, but there was almost nothing. It was pretty much sand and weeds. It was very sparse hunting, that's for sure. Yep. And then, uh, so we we got out and uh, I was, when when I first got in the water, I was reading 38 degrees. Uh, and it always seems to take a little bit of time for my dive computer to catch up. It got down to 36 and it uh, about mid-dive, it got to 34, and it stayed 34 until we got out. Yeah, because we had the ice that was out further off to the right. Yeah, when we, yeah, when we got to this dive site, there was actually skim ice over where we were going to end up diving. But it seemed to, I don't know if it moved or just melted enough. But uh, Not all the birds moved it out of the way. Yeah, they've kind of collectively pushed it down. It must uh, have been a couple hundred of them out there. Yeah. And then the way back, I kind of played uh, tracker. I, I could see where you were going uh, by the silt you were stirring up in the weeds so I could just stay off to the side a little bit. So you could actually track somebody underwater if you weren't too far behind them in that sort of environment. But uh, did you see any fish? No, and that surprised me because at Singer, we'd been finding fish. Uh, I didn't see any. I saw maybe uh, what I thought was some turtle tracks, uh, which Faulkner didn't particularly care for, <laughs> <laughs> and a couple of concrete anchors and one beer bottle, and that was it. And that was out off, off the slope. Yeah. I wasn't in the weeds. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't I didn't see much at all. But even so, it was a good dive. I'd say it was a solid four to five feet visibility. And I was just trying to gauge, you know, as you could see the weeds. If you stirred something up, it it got to no visibility real quick. Yeah, we've got one diver in the chat room that said he's done uh, three dives, uh, all on quarries mm-hmm. since New Year's. Well, that's excellent. Get that many dives in. So that counts. And I've I've heard that some of the quarries are having some amazing visibility this time of the year uh, well, also, i know our rivers aren't too good because we still got flood warnings and the current's pretty fast but uh, i'd like to get back out to Merrimont. yeah I, I i would like to get out in the in the river as well i think we need to take a road trip down to ohio and do a little bottle grubbing where in ohio are we gonna go st Clair. st Clair is that what you guys are calling for well we got we just got to put the trip together I want to be a little warmer, though, because I'm still wet to it. I'd like to do multiple dives. Well, we can bring the shanty and a couple heaters. We'll, we'll be warm. Some would be yeah, warmer just... than most. <laughs> yeah. yeah, about the time it gets warm enough to, for that, though, we're going to be back on Lake Michigan doing some wreck hunting. 
Well, we need so to that do... water gets back up to fifty. You know, then wet suit is not a problem at all. Yeah. Well, really, what we need to do. I've one thing I've started to notice as I compare uh, what we got going on 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 our side of the lake and what Rich on uh, Diver Sink has on the east side of the lake. It seems like it's rare that both sides of the, of Michigan have blowout conditions. So if you were able to call it soon enough, you could always change your location from the west side to the east side and still be able to get a dive in. That's true. That's why Sheboygan yeah, always tonight. I was just going to say, that's one nice thing about diving up north. Depending on where the wind is from, you can usually find a spot that's protected. Yeah. Yeah, because you can, you know, within an hour, a couple hours drive, you can hit, you know, probably three of the Great Lakes at least. Okay, so uh, what, what's up for this weekend? We talk about we got the boat show in Chicago. Mac, you think there's any chance for a dive this weekend? I just want somebody to go. Tell me when and where, Saturday yeah. or Sunday. I think I can do Sunday. It might have to be just a little bit later than noon, like it might have to be like 1 o'clock. But we can handle that. Uh, I'm yeah, up for I was, I was hoping for Saturday. You can talk Mac and go on both. I, Saturday, I've got to go. And take my uh, my kids are decided that they're they want to do a birthday party with all their friends, so we're going to take them to one of the indoor water parks there. And uh, was it Water Valley? Well, there's your diving opportunity. Yeah, I've thought <laughs> about that. You know, I don't know how how much they would love to have me bring my scuba gear, in, but it's always in the back of the truck if it the opportunity should arise. Always claim you're going to be the safety. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I, I should have to do that. I should see that. I wonder, uh, you know, if they let me do that. I'm I'm also some things that I'm I'm working on is I'm actually looking for pools. I want to make a survey of all the the pools in the area so that we got an idea of any pools that we could utilize uh, for some diving. And I've also been going through Google Earth looking for holes in uh, the land that we could use for diving. Yeah, there's a question in the chat room for you if you'd found any in Michigan. I, I There's a lot. The one question I need to find out is how deep some of these are. It's really hard to tell because there's some I look on the map and I go, hey, that's big. And then when I realize that it's the ditch that I go by on the way to work every day, you know, which it's, you know, if in the summer it is completely dried out, it's probably not a good scuba spot even when it is full of water. So, uh, you know, that's the thing is I've been trying to, I can get, we can get good shots of the planet and you can see the surface area of water. But there's nothing yet, no topographical map showing the depth, you know, other than navigation charts for the big lake. You just don't see them inland. You know, like within uh, five miles of Singer Lake, there's probably another six or seven spots that look to be almost as big. Yep, the chat room, they're saying there's only one way. Yep, and, and we may have to do that. Uh, also, some of, them, some of them are landlocked, so uh, it's going to take you to get a little bit of permission from whoever the landowner is, or you sneak in there in the middle of the night and drop in. Yeah, I still want to hit those uh, two ponds behind the sewer plant. Yeah. Don't well, worry, guys. It's not part of the sewer plant. It's a separate <laughs> pond. I did want not the brown water. Not the, the brown sewer plant. Yeah. They're even upstream, so. Yeah, the, the brown tubular fish you do not need to play with. <laughs> now, I did see a couple lakes. Uh, one, one was called Gravel Lake. Now, is Gravel Lake a, a gravel pit? I mean, when, when you look in, in Berrien County, there's got to be, oh, I don't know, 80, 90 lakes, what we're, what they're calling lakes. So also I noticed on US-12, there's a couple um, active quarries. And I was wondering if we could convince a couple of those guys just to make those a couple, a little bit deeper. So, well, I think that about does it for another week. 
Uh, unless you guys got anything else that uh, you can think of. Well, I can't think of anything right off. I mean, this is sort of all other than the, the boat show there in Chicago. I think next week is when the traffic picks up and the opportunity to go places. Yeah. Yeah, provided we don't have uh, white stuff all over the roads, it should be a good time to go out and get somewhere. Also, we'll, we, it'd be nice to have uh, some ice diving. I don't know. There's something about a nice, nice good ice dive. Well, we got spoiled with the uh, Lake 16 winter ones. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm actually thinking that would be that would be a nice one. We'll have to uh, get some ice going on that. Well, again, if it stays at 15 degrees at night, I think we're going to be there in a week or two. Yeah. Well, that's what I was noticing when we did the Paw Paw Lake dive at you know, the water temperature is 34 degrees, and it's uh, this shows that it's ready to build ice as soon as we get any sustainable uh, cold temperatures. I was thinking that if we did dive uh, this weekend and it's not iced over, uh, we could go in there at the uh, Paw Paw Lake Yacht Club and show you the clay banks if you've never seen those. No, I've never have, seen them. I never have. That would be a good dive. It's close and is, easy. That, that would be good. Yeah, you're going to get a lot more than six feet. It is a little deeper than six feet? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when you hit that clay bank, it just goes right down. It's it's really interesting to look at. But you definitely will need a light, a good light. Yeah, I, I'll need to buy some batteries for the light. Jim, did you ever get your uh, O-rings for your canister? Yes, I did. And uh, I put them in. I just got to double check it. And we get you to go down and take Bob, and then you guys can use your lights, and the rest can just follow the laughter glow. Yeah. Mm. I've done that more than once. Good chance to check out the uh, camera, too. Actually, it would be because your visibility down there will be better because you won't have any weed line at all once you get down there. Yeah, my son That's was home. My son, Zach's home from uh, for a week's of, week of vacation. Believe it, he comes to Michigan from the Bahamas for vacation, but uh, from the Caribbean for vacation. But anyhow, he brought video of uh, uh, the wreck. If you remember the movie The Deep with yep. Jacqueline Bissett, yeah, uh, he's got uh, video from the wreck that they shot in that uh, in the movie. He dove it last weekend, and I want to sit down and compare the condition of the wreck from the movie, which was in '77, uh, to uh, his video from 2011. Yeah, more than a couple of years have passed. I think Jacqueline's changed a little too. Still a lovely lady. Well, get, get some of the business out of the way. You can always follow up on the Scuba Obsessed podcast on our website, www.scubaobsessed.com. You can also visit us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash scuba obsessed. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter account is at scuba obsessed. And we're also on the Google Plus. So, uh, and then uh, if you haven't had a chance to try out Stitcher Smart Radio, you need to give that a try. You can, you can get to that. Uh, head over to the website. We have listened to us on the uh, Stitcher, and that will give you a link to enter you in a drawing. So you go in there, you put in your email address, and then you download the client for your smartphone, and you can stream the Scuba Obsessed show whenever you want. You don't have to download it. It'll just start streaming when you use that mobile application. Just a question, since we got a lot of people in the chat room real quick. Mm -hmm. Anybody been to the uh, Scuba Fest in Columbus, Ohio? While we're waiting for responses from the chat room, just one side note, no hamsters were harmed in the recording of this podcast. <laughs> I know that uh, Rich, uh, that's one of the, the shows that he goes to regularly. Well, I know the Great Lakes uh, Festival, they're fleshing out their itinerary, so it's changed a lot since uh, last week, the week before. 
they're going to have a heck of a lot of shipwrecks uh, films. Uh, the, they can look the at the Horsey Horse Show. Yeah, that's that the February 25th. Show? Yes. Yeah. The uh, Southwest Michigan Underwater Marine Preserve will also have a booth there. So stop by and say hi. Yep. And somebody in the chat room was saying you need to pick up your scuba obsessed swag, which definitely I agree. We like to have you pick that up, show off your love for the show. Uh, currently, I think we've got magnets in there. We've got mugs, shot glasses. I still have to do some artwork for a hat. I just haven't gotten around to doing that as of yet. So I'll have to go. We want to that. thank you again for getting that poster done for us again, updated. Oh yeah, for the I, I updated a poster for the Mud Club. Uh, so we'll have to put that on the Mud Club site, which is uh, mudclub.scubaobsessed.com. So it gives a little bit of information about the club. Yeah. Stickers for tanks, good idea. Uh, we each credit for that one. Yeah, we do have uh, we do have stickers for tanks on the Zazzle site, which is where the rest of the swag is. But I've talked to people, and they say it's really not sticker material. So what I'm thinking about doing is pulling that off and uh, just putting a logo two or three times up on a bumper sticker, and then you can just cut those to size. So a lot of times when you do those those uh, tank stickers, they're about to they're they're quite a bit. So a little bit more than what I would spend. So you could probably probably get three of them out of a a bumper sticker. So yeah, that that's that's a good idea, Mitch. We'll go ahead and. And get that in there. Okay. I think we need to give Mitch a free sticker for doing that. Yeah, we'll have to. We'll have to the find idea. A, we'll, we'll find a way of getting him one. Oh, we'll hold it for him, and when he comes up to dive with us, we'll give it to him. Yeah, that, that's the way. Yeah, you have to come diving. Okay. Gosh, I always feel like I'm forgetting something. This this time of the year just throws me off. Dark. At least the days are starting to get a little bit longer. A little bit longer. So uh, also uh, make sure you stay subscribed to. Uh, scuba obsessed if you're uh, in the chat room which we love to have you to chat room it, it will sometimes drop your subscription so make sure that you are resubscribing in itunes making sure you keep that that feed active uh, also if you're listening let us know where you're listening to your podcast and we'll make sure we get list, listed there you know, technology always seems to change and people find stuff different ways and then as rich and i have been talking uh, some way i'm gonna i'm gonna do some sort of video uh, version of the podcast uh, maybe not every episode but at some point in time uh, we'll have to be playing around with the video we can do that that could be scary it could be you know we all have face for radio exactly well that's that's the thing we, we through the magic of digital we'll be able to touch things up and make them much more appealing okay so yeah, i think i think we've done it uh oh also uh mac did your daughter ever get anybody from samoa yet not yet uh, so we're still looking for, we have a call out for people from Samoa. So, uh, you know, uh, let us know, email us at the show at scubaobsessed.com and we'll, uh, we'll tell you where to go. We like to, you know, the, you've always got the scuba obsessed fan map, go into scuba obsessed about obsessed fans and add your pin to the fan map. See every, the fine company that you're with. Uh, and you can also find us, uh, friend us on Facebook's another way to let us know that you're, you're out there. So, but yeah, the Max daughter's looking for somebody from Samoa so they can have a, have a listener from there. Have they hit pretty much every other continent or state? Yes, they have. They've got most of Europe done, um, even South America. Uh, but that's a unique one. They've always kidded about it. So if I could ever arrange for them to get one from Samoa, because it's so small, the, the population is so small, that would be really odd. So that would be what was nice about it. What we could always do is take a Samoa dive trip. 
And then while we're there, we just look up their website. Well, that's true, true. But we're having a hard time getting enough people to go over to uh, St. Clair. <laughs> yeah, Samoa might be a little bit longer of a trek. Uh, okay, well, I, I, I think we've stalled long enough. Uh, I think it's time for that part of the show. No, not that part of the show. Not part of the show. So this is uh, an impromptu joke that's been going around. From what I understand, it's been a common a common one. So, uh, and it's it. I think it's just because it's a time of year. Maybe it's one of those things that like it's like the groundhog. You know, it turns up every so often and, and then gets deposited back later on. So here we go. Uh, I just got off the phone with a diving friend living in North Dakota near the Canadian border. He said slightly earlier this morning, the snow had been coming down. It was near waist high and still falling. The temperature is falling way below zero. The north wind is increasing near near gale force. His wife had done nothing but look through the kitchen window and just stare. He says that if it gets much, much worse, they'll have to let her in. I still like that one, but uh, still like that I'm one. just wondering. Yeah, I, I think I've heard that one somewhere recently. I wonder if he did let her in. There's got to be a dive sign on that somewhere. Submit your jokes to... Yes, yeah, so yeah, if you got jokes, submit them to Scoob Obsessed, uh, the show at Scoob Obsessed. So until next week, go out there and get wet. And stay safe. And don't harm any hamsters in the meantime. recording has been completed well you had about eight pages of comments during the presentation